Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we have hot deals for every budget. Buy three and you get the fourth tyre absolutely free on Bridgestone, Yokohama, Goodyear and J-Tracks. And up to $150 instant cashback on Continental, Pirelli, Dunlop and the legendary Bob Jane All-Rounder. Plus check out our hot deals on Beef Goodrich All-Terrain Co. 2s from only $249, all with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. Tastes apply. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Okay, here we are. It's the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fields. My name is Grant Rowley. It has been a huge week up at Mount Panorama for the 62nd running of the Repco Bathurst 1000. And I could think of no better person to join me than the guy who crossed the line in seventh place. His name's Tony Delberto, a very familiar face to the Parked Up podcast. Tony D, how are you? Hey, that's an absolute lie. You could not get anyone else today. <laughs> uh, and you could not get you could not find anybody else. You rang you rang first place, you rang second place, third place, fourth place, tenth place, twentieth place. Man, you rang the cars that didn't even finish the race before you rang me. <laughs> I promise you, I did not call anybody else to do this podcast. <laughs> not one other person. How uh, how was your weekend? Seventh place in the great race. Not exactly where you wanted, but geez, you were uh, you were amongst it right from the very start. Oh, weren't we ever? Like uh, it. Uh, it was interesting, you know, all that water and the exit of turn one. Uh, I spoke to Anton before the race. He said, you know, we're starting on the inside of the track. I think it's a good spot. Um, you know, try and exit turn one on the inside and try and avoid all that water, which is exactly what we did uh, until someone else got the water and had a wobble up and ended up making contact uh, with our front wheel. So I had to go, uh, I had to obviously pit. I had a heap of damage. Wheel was buggered. The uh, steering arm was buggered. Got it. I thought our race was over, to be honest. We went into the pit lane and the boys fixed it. Anton was at the window having a chat to me. And then they're like, go, 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 go. So we, we didn't go down a lap. We managed to get back out there on the lead lap. And the car wasn't perfect. You know, we had a bent damper and uh, the steering was a bit out. A um, bit of, bit of towing as well. So it wasn't ideal. But we got back into the race. And, um, mate, I actually led the race for a little bit. Unbelievable yeah, for, for heaps, for heaps. You, uh, I, I just thought you were going to blaze <laughs> off into the distance, and the race was going to be over. Do you know, last year we had uh, obviously we had a great start, and I led three quarters of a lap, and I was wrapped. This year we had a terrible start, and through pit stops and not stopping and trying to get ourselves back in the game, we got ourselves um, at the front of the the uh, the pack after a restart, and then. The guys are telling me to save fuel. Save fuel, mate, while you're leading the great race. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Throw this me is... a bone here. Throw me a bone. I just want to blaze off into the distance. But no, I had to play, uh, had to save as much fuel as I could because we were still in recovery mode at that stage. So um, we did recover during the day, but unfortunately had a bit of a bad stop later in the day when they, we did a brake change, didn't quite go to plan. Which we dumped a fair bit of time and then, that last section, the last part of the race, you, you need to have track position and we didn't and we just couldn't really do much about it. So 
that's what well, that's what we had, unfortunately. So, what was so, the problem with that slow rotor change? I don't exactly know, to be honest. So, I I haven't asked. I mean, I I feel so bad for the guys. They they try they they practice so much, and nine times out of ten, everything goes perfectly. And for whatever reason, that one just didn't go smoothly, and it was a bit of a snowball effect. And yeah, we ended up losing probably 40, 45 seconds. Um, so it wasn't just a little issue we had. So yeah, that, that was just really unfortunate um, mm. because at that stage we were so we were running for quite a period of the race, sort of third and fourth. I, I don't believe we had enough pace to to finish there, but top five definitely because once you got that track position, you just mm. Very hard to pass. And we had very good straight line speed. So it was going to be hard for people to get around us. Yeah. So, okay. So seventh place, maybe uh, a reasonable result considering what had happened. Let's just, uh, I, I promise our viewers that we will talk about the guys who finished first and second and third <laughs> in the great race. But uh, we've got the great man on the on the pod for today. Um, so that first lap, there were, there was lots going on. Um, and I saw Roland Dane in a um, in a new column that he's got on speedcafe.com. He said the race should have started under safety car. But as I understand it, the stewards were very close to electing to either do that or even delay the start of the race while the water was still draining off the mountain. Um, if you were at Mount Panorama you uh, over the weekend, you know exactly how much it did rain over the weekend. It was a lot. It was mm. it was difficult to get to and from the circuit without your shoes completely filling. Oh, it wasn't a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Um, so on Sunday morning, while there wasn't that much rain, there was there was still a bit of rain in the morning, but there wasn't that much. But the water there was so much over the weekend that the water was draining off the mountain and coming down and they were filling up uh, like holes, uh, like uh, big, big floods of water with sandbags and sandbags uh, up mountain straight. And you could see there hadn't been a lot of rain in the morning prior to the start of the race, but there were still those big rivers coming down off driveways for people who live up Mount Panorama on, on mountain straight and it was coming onto the road they were the stewards were considering delaying the start to uh ensure that the water had uh had but, gone away so uh, we were kind of lucky to see the race start when it did uh, the thing is though they would have had to delay it for ages you know like it took it took so long for all that to clear up out of turn one and up that that um, straight, like they would have delayed for a couple of hours, you know, and, and try and clean the road or something. Um, it was sketchy. There's no doubt, especially at the start when I think at one stage there we were four wide, and you know when I'm on the inside, you have no idea what's going on, how many other cars are beside you. But it didn't take a lot to cause that sort of chain reaction. And I'm not. I mean, obviously, if we started behind the safety car, you would have avoided quite a bit of it, but. Would we have avoided the Zane Goddard incident? Probably not. You know, like that had really nothing to do with the, the start of the race. Um, but that first lap, first exit of turn one incident definitely damaged a lot of cars and a lot of cars carried that damage most of the day. You know, we saw cars with a heap of race tape on the front of them and that was from, you hadn't even done one lap yet. So it was, it was quite, 
quite uh, soul destroying. Um, I know from my point of view to cop that damage and you think your day is absolutely done after all the lead up preparation, days and days and days of work, and then boom, you know, you're 30 seconds into the race and you've copped a hit. So it's certainly challenging, but that, that was all weekend though. Every yep. session was challenging. You know, it wasn't a straightforward session other than maybe the first day. Like the first day was actually probably the best where there wasn't as, I don't think, I don't think there was any rain on the first day. I think we were quite lucky. But then for the rest of the weekend, it, it was very tricky for everybody involved. And, you know, even the category copying uh, criticism about delay or, you know, not doing the top 10 shootout. Guys, what were they meant to do? No, like no, there was no. so much water, and I honestly think the fans, like they legitimately criticised Supercars for it. They're going to complain about anything because it was so unsafe. It wasn't funny. There's rivers, like there was nothing they could have done. Yeah, no, no, no. So no there's, there there is no... a point. There's a point when you know you do have to think about safety and damage, and you know these guys are meant to be doing a, a thousand kilometer race the very next day. Yep. And we would have wiped. We would have wiped at least one car out. I'm, I'm guaranteed of it. And I reckon it would have been the car that uh, went first, which qualified tenth. I think that was the Will Brown car. Um, <laughs> I reckon that thing would have been in the wall, and then they would have said, "Ah, oh, yeah, okay, cool. We better not do this. We've lost one car. We better not do any more." There was no exactly. way that session was going ahead. Not, no. not a chance. We, uh, you're right. It's, uh, it's safety and damage. Safety first. And um, yeah, look, hardly even conditions that mm. that uh, officials and volunteers should be out in those conditions for. So um, exactly, no, they made they made the right call. As much as we wanted to see the top ten, and there was all sorts of um, complaints uh, being raised, like you know they should have moved everything forward and avoided that big band of rain mm. that they knew I, was coming. I don't disagree with that. I think they probably could have done that. Yes, because there like, was a, you, is it a 45 it or 30 minute or 45 minute uh, residence access window, which they had around midday. And at that time you could see, or we knew that there was heavy rain coming. I think it was at around two o'clock. And unfortunately around two o'clock, we saw the, the super two race get completely canceled. The Carrera cup race was canceled. I yep. would have preferred that. I would have liked to have seen, that resident access get delayed to have those two races run, we still wouldn't have got a top 10 shootout, which is, which is a real shame, but um, so many other categories were affected. I think uh, super two had four racing laps over the entire weekend. Carrera cup oh had one race run in its entirety, one race canceled and, and the Sunday morning race only saw two racing laps completed before they all spilled themselves off at the chase. They couldn't recover them fast enough. And the race was eventually uh, canned with, with no points awarded. So yeah, it's a long way to go and it's a very expensive round to do because it's a four day event because it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is uh, it's one of the more expensive events for those, those types of teams to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know what it's like um, in TCR land. You know, you raise a budget. You know how much it's to go racing every round, and then but you, you want to get the the um, the laps um, under your belts. And and for all those categories, they would have spent all this money on accommodation, tires, fuel, like everything like that. 
you know, all the team personnel to be there and to actually not get those racing laps under their belts or points towards their championship or whatever it is, it uh, was really disappointing. But they, again, I, I don't know what they really could have done if, um, other than try and change that schedule it up. But it's like the resident access. They are so strict with that. So yeah. strict. And yeah. we've seen that so many times. If you're not like to the second of the minute, you know, the residents are up in arms. And I don't know how flexible they would have been with that. But the dog needs to be but, fed. The dog needs its lunchtime meal. Exactly. They, need, they need to get back home. That's exactly right. I mean, they, they, I, I know they do get compensated for the inconvenience of the race being on. Um, so I, I don't know what that compensation is, but it might. Now, next time, maybe we could have like, you know, there's a plus 20 minute either side or something just to give a bit of flexibility if things are running a bit late or we want to go early or, yeah, just to give us a bit more flexibility so we see this problem again. Okay, um, so you were involved in that lap, lap one thing. You came back to finish seventh, but there was another little incident that you were involved in very early in the race. Such a crazy start to the great race this year, obviously with that uh, run up Mountain Straight on the first lap and then uh, Zane Goddard gassed it up probably a little bit too much and tried to come on back onto the track at a squiddly miles an hour, trying not to lose any positions, but ultimately lost control of his car almost flipped Dale Wood's uh, BJR car onto its roof and then Matty Campbell in the Penrite Mustang smashed into the into the back of him as well. So three cars wiped out in one foul swoop. Of course, Zangotto copped a $10,000 fine. Uh, Michael Caruso in the Irwin car, in Mark Winterbottom's car, was uh, minding his own business trying to avoid it all. Uh, and you've come through as well and tagged him <laughs> and sent him spinning. Um, wasn't, the, it, uh, wasn't it Frosty? Was it Frosty or was it Chris? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Frosty. Oh, okay, cool. Well, anyway, the Erwin uh, car was backwards on lap five after you gave a massive serve. They'd said that they were going to do a post-race investigation. What came of that? Oh, I don't think anything. I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, I, if they're going to give us a penalty, they need to give it to us at the start of the race so we've got a chance to recover. And the, the end of the day, that car got turned around. There's no extra damage. He turned around, got going again. There was maybe two spots or something he lost. But, it, it, you know, to, to, I suppose, explain what happened, I got told there was an incident, stay right. And I went past the two cars. So I would have gone past Maddie and Zane. And I thought the incident was over. So then I've gone to, you know, I've cleared the incident. Okay, away we go. And I had a bit of overlap on the Irwin car. And the next minute, like Woody's car comes out of nowhere. And I I had no choice but to swerve to avoid him. Otherwise, I would have like literally cleaned him up. And, um, yeah, so I, I swerved, tagged the Irwin car, spun him around. And, oh, I was like, hey, this race can't get any worse, honestly. Yeah. Um, no damage to the car. Um, I've tried to text Mark Winterbottom about this and I sent him a message on Instagram. He hasn't replied. He's not obviously not happy with me. Yeah. Um, but it was just, I, I mean, he would understand it wasn't on purpose or anything like that, but I just didn't know there was more to that incident. Yeah. I thought the those two cars on the side, that was it. I didn't expect to see another car 50 metres down the road, you know, in the middle of the, in the middle of the track. So it was absolute chaos. Yeah. those opening laps and then after that it started raining we're all on slicks oh, 
I was saying a little prayer at that stage, like, come on, this is going to get it any harder right now. Just give us, you know, make the conditions a little bit better and let's go racing. Well, I guess the uh, conditions did fine up for sure and the race sort of uh, found its rhythm and we probably ended up with the three fastest cars, not just for the weekend, but the three fastest cars for the 2022 supercar season end up at the shiny end of the field, certainly led by the 97 of Shane Gisbergen and Garth Tander, who, who gapped everyone during the mid part of the race. They led, I think it was 110 laps, most deserving of the Peter Brock trophy. And really, I think um, as much as you don't want to admit this, you probably will. That combination just far too good on the day. Yeah, they were very fast. I mean, Garth was fast straight out of the box. It was pretty impressive to see how quick he was. Um, and the, probably the, the, big, the, the most impressive thing was, you know, how, how much they had gained from last year. I mean, we, we all know the Walkshaw car was a car to beat last year around there and they had a big gap to the field. And while they were very quick as well, the Walkshaw boys, uh, the Eight cars had taken a big step as well. So, you know, they, they were quick all weekend. It was probably... It's probably their race to lose, really. You know, yeah. like they were very, very strong combo. Um, but in saying that, you know, the way the race panned out and the conditions and everything, they could have quite easily have stuffed it up. You know, it, it wasn't a straightforward race at all. So um, I felt uh, Chaz put a lot of pressure on at the end of the race. I don't, I don't think Shane really had it all to himself that after the last safety car. I think he had to push pretty hard. Yeah, um, it was it was actually quite good to see the the, the lunge that uh, Cam did on Brody. I thought was really really cool. Mm. Um, that was that was high commitment, and he, he you know like if Brody hadn't seen him, they would have crashed. There's no doubt. He um, just shoved down the inside, um, and maybe that was a bit of payback for earlier in the day. I don't know. <laughs> and those, those two came together. Well, Moff yeah. and and Brody. Um, I don't know about that one actually. Just, what to, you, talk, what, just to go off yeah, topic a bit. Yeah, I, I that, thought, no, that's good. That's good. That's because it was a uh, it was a race changing moment because like it looked those, those three cars that finished on the podium up the front, of course, uh, the the ninety seven, the twenty five, and the six were were certainly the fastest come the end of the day, uh, and the the six, the monster car, lost a lot of track position. When Brody, mm. when Brody stuck it up the inside of the cutting, not exactly a typical passing opportunity, no. very opportunistic from Brody. And I guess um, it, telling that the stewards didn't impose any penalty, which just tells me they they sort of saw thought that he was far enough down the inside of him uh, at that point to, um, to at least have a bit of a side-by-side run. Uh, through there and maybe Moff saw him a little bit too late or left the door open just a little bit too long. And when he's seen it, he's closed the door. Moff said some mm. pretty um, uh, disparaging things uh, in the post-race press comments. I think a couple of words that uh, have the initials DH uh, is what he uh, called Brody uh, mm. after that incident, uh, but no penalty. So for me, that sort of said with, cause I wasn't pulling out protractors or, or calculators to work out if he'd gone far enough up uh, up the inside of him. 
but uh, I think the steward sort of felt that he had. So let's uh, let's assume that he that he had done that. But I guess what happened is it it chucked him right down the back of that pack, and with track position being so crucial in that last bit of the race, it really mm. ultimately cost them. Yeah, it definitely did, and that's where the moves that Cam was pulling at the end were quite impressive because um, it is so difficult to pass. But you know, I didn't think there was much in that incident at all. I thought Brody got himself up the inside enough. I thought he actually started to try and I think he realized that James hadn't seen him and you see him pull, try and pull out of it. Um, but he, he definitely had enough of a car up the inside of Moff, I, I believe. Um, it's, it's not a nice move if the move's getting done to you. Um, you do have to, I suppose, see it early and give them room, but they could have run side by side. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Moff probably still would have had. Um, you know, track position and probably would have held on. But um, it's, a, it's an aggressive move, there's no doubt. And it's one of those moves that main drivers do on Coeys. You know, they intimidate them, try and bomb bomb them there. And the Coey, because they want to try and keep the car nice and straight, they uh, generally just sidestep and let it happen. Um, it's, yeah, like I said, it's not a nice move. It's not something that you'd really enjoy. But I thought he was far enough up and I'm not surprised that he didn't didn't get a penalty for it. I mean, mm. I, some of the carry-on I thought was a bit much. You know, yeah. I did from like Tim Edwards and that. I thought, gee, settle down a bit. Um, and then I know he's always going to protect his guys, but it wasn't like it was, he got hit in the rear wheel or in the rear bar or something. It, yeah, I thought the move was was up there and on. Mm. That's, that's my point of view. There you I go. mean, we saw, we saw the move that uh, ultimately cost Wink up uh, a race a couple of years ago with Brody, not and and that was in a similar spot on the track. So Brody's obviously he he's that type of guy that is taking every opportunity and he's having a big go. Um, and you do have to if you want to try and get past people, you can't. You just everything's too close. You can't half ass it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess it uh, it it probably cost Borders a chance at. A win, I guess, with the loss of track position, but still mm. third third time in a row that that monster car, uh, Cam and Moff have finished on the podium. That's now two seconds and a third now in a row. Uh, but maybe one day there's a win for those guys uh, coming up. But of course, everything changes with uh, Gen Three next year, and who knows what. Um, uh, how the universe is going to look, and and the uh, the other team that is proving very very proficient in scoring podiums is the Walkinshaw Andretti United team. That's their sixth podium in a row in the great mm-hmm. race with with uh, Chaz and your old mate Fabian Coulthard uh, finishing uh, second. And as you said, put plenty of pressure on SVG at the end. I just feel that SVG always had that in hand. He uh he has that little knack of uh, just giving giving people enough of a sniff uh, without uh, without putting too much stress on his own equipment, but still pretty impressive from WAU, who I guess round to round in the in the championship that we the regular championship that we see, they can be threatening for a win or they might be struggling to be uh, inside the top six, but um, come Mount Panorama time, they're always up there. Yeah. They're, they are a little bit hot and cold during the year, but um, we saw how strong they were last year. And I think they backed it up again this year. I think they would, 
probably just as strong. I think, as I said before, maybe Triple Eight made some gains. And yeah, I mean, I, I spoke with Nick Percat during the week, and he was like very complimentary of the car. He said it was ridiculous, as he would. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it was yeah, very very good. And if it, if the race is dry, we're going to be we're going to be on for a strong result. Um, it's not that simple, obviously. Things need to go well during the day. But uh, you know, those guys always do come out punching uh, for the Bathurst One Thousand. It always seems seems to have been a, a strong circuit for for Walkershaw for, you know, effectively holding racing team back in the day. Um, they always seem to turn it on to those big events. So, and, you know, Chaz, Chaz is, is one of those guys around Bathurst that always pulls out a little bit extra, you know, and, and, and Fabs is obviously very strong there as well. So they were going to be just as, like as pairing wise, I think just as strong as GT and SVG. Yeah. Well, they, uh, they certainly took it up to them right at the end. Uh, but I think we saw the most deserving winners um, take the cake at the end of it. Although it looks like uh, SVG possibly had a little bit too much cake. <laughs> that was funny. That was good. I yeah. like that. It, the uh, the 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 live TV crosses on Monday morning. I re- that's just it's just too early. It's just too early. They uh, they should not be doing that. I mean, it is great uh, TV and great media coverage for the teams and for the race and for the championship uh, as a whole. But to, to cop a, uh, a seven o'clock wake up call. And uh, yeah, I have to admit, I went to the, um, I went to the after party and um, I was hanging out with those guys pretty early in that morning. So um, yeah, I I can see why there might've been some, might have been some dramas, but you know what? They just won the biggest race of the year. They deserve to party, and um, I guess we got a few lulls from from what transpired for SVG uh, not um, not being able to completely uh, function. <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, uh, I'm sure you weren't up either at that time when they were doing that interview. So. Oh, no way! Like. Uh, how they even dragged him out of bed. Um, I, yeah, full full credit to him for uh, even just being able to stand there. I definitely would, if I was him, I don't know why he didn't have the sunnies on. That would have been, yeah. uh, that would have been an, a, a reasonable but how, idea. But how's GT, the, the ultimate professional, you know, wins the race, probably has a few beers, keeps it under wraps. He, he does all the, the chatting the next day and, uh, his young uh, whippersnapper SVG is just <laughs> writes himself off, you know, unbelievably. So, um, but uh, I had a very different Sunday night. Uh, I just got in the car and drove home. Oh, no beers, no beers, no nothing. Boom, on the road. See you later. So I drove all day and then drove all night. Very good. So I was ruined, ruined on Monday, but at least I got home nice and early. What time did you get home? Well, I had a little snooze in Gundagai. Yep. Um, so then we got home by eleven. So I was I was traveling with a mate. Yep. Um, he, he was useless because he was, fell asleep. Yeah. Um, I actually had I shouldn't say this, but I had a Red Bull, and oh. it gave me it gave me wings, and I I kept driving on. I I had heart palpitations for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I kept on driving, and uh, it was good to get back early. Get what, back was, early, and uh, was yeah. there much traffic coming out of Bathurst that evening? No. Nah. Absolutely not. Oh no, man, there was Monday, nothing. 
Monday morning coming out of Bathurst, heading towards Cowra, uh, which is the road that you take to get back to ye old Melbourne, was mm. bumper to bumper. Uh, was it really? Apparently early in the morning for those who decided to take off uh, around about the 7 o'clock mark. Some of my team uh, did that and got the early start and it, they were struggling all the way from Bathurst to Cowra, which is typically about an hour when there's no traffic. And yep. they went bumper to bumper all the way through to Cowra. Oh, uh, that's the worst. The crew I was traveling with, we didn't leave until I think it was probably about 11 a.m. And we got all the way about 5K to Cowra. But then that last 5K took us 40 minutes to get through. Oh, no. Get through Cowra. So, um, uh, it was great to see so many people, the crowds return to Mount Panorama for the great race. That was fantastic. It wasn't great to be sitting in traffic with them the day after uh, trying to get home. <laughs> All you want to do at that point of the day is just get home as quickly as you can. And, and what uh, time did you actually get home? Uh, not until 9.30. Oh, my God. That, yeah. that, that is horrendous. Like You would have been feeling like crap. Yeah. Uh, just crawling home. Oh, that's yeah. terrible, mate. It, it was a pain, but that's okay. You uh, lived to. I didn't actually have any of the post weekend hangover, post, you know, five, six, seven days or whatever we did up there. I didn't really have any of that until Tuesday because um, I had to drive the car. So Monday yep. was a uh, Monday. I had to put all my any leftover energy into making sure I got my car and its occupants home safely. Uh, mm. So so on Tuesday, I felt like, uh, yeah, I felt like someone had hit me with uh, seven houses. I was, I was Well, speaking of, on the way home, I stopped in the morning to fill up and I got an egg and bacon roll from like a roadhouse. All right. It looked delicious. It uh-huh. looked delicious, tasted delicious, and you know, I was so hungry. Anyway, wake up on the Tuesday morning, about four o'clock, and oh. it wanted to evacuate real quick. Oh, no. So, so I spent like an hour vomiting. It was coming out both ends. And I was like, this, this on the Tuesday morning. And the only thing I can pin it on is that egg and bacon roll because my friend that I was traveling with, uh, he didn't have that. And he was fine. Right. So, uh, yeah, not a good start to my Tuesday morning, but I still got up, still went to work good boy. and acted like everything was fine. And, um, and I felt horrible all day, like, cause I couldn't keep anything down. So, you know, I was just, I was so hungry and depleted that, uh, I'll end up like almost having the, like the shakes and I was like, oh, I should go home, but <laughs> I, by about two o'clock, um, I was able to keep some food down. I started to come good. So even though I didn't have any alcohol, I still had the after effects of a Bathurst uh, um, hangover. Yeah. Uh, look, it certainly takes it out of you. Uh, Tony D, thanks for coming on to the Parked Up podcast. We're just going to take a very short break right now to uh, just hear a small little advert from our great friends at Racefields. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102 
as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on RaceFuel's E85 and ELF Race 102 is available at racefuel.com.au. You're on the Parked Up podcast. Of course, we're powered by Race Fuels. You just heard their ad. I'm Grant Rowley. I've got Tony D with me. Just one last thing uh, about the great race that we saw. There was a late safety car which required uh, the assistance of the big old Ford Ranger. Unfortunately, it was for uh, the number 17 car of Will Davo and Alex Davo, who uh, had a bit of a bingle up at Griffin's Bend. Uh, which was a bit of a shame for them. They were kind of just trucking along just in front of you guys. So they were probably on for a sixth or seventh place finish. Um, mm. But the most controversial point of that exercise was the the Ranger had come out onto the track just as mm. Brody Kostecki was exiting pit lane and Chaz Mostert, who was on the circuit, was racing him for track position to join the, the safety car cr- uh, chain and, uh, yeah, Kostecki had to yield, and if he didn't yield, it was going to be a pretty uh, monumental crash between race cars and recovery vehicles. Yeah, and that's that's a combination that uh, we've seen in the past not end so well. Um, you know, I think the Ranger would have ended up worse. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously that's a stuff up from um, the officials. I mean, I, I don't know how they can say that it's not i mean the car was in the fence but it wasn't like it was on fire you know will was out of the car and whatever so um it did i don't think it altered the race i really don't i think uh chaz would have beat him to the line um but i suppose if if i was in erebus's shoes i would have uh, protested against it as well and and tried to get them to review it and maybe reverse the the position because as we've mentioned track position is just absolutely key I don't know. What did you think? Did you think that it um, changed the result of the race? Oh, I don't think it changed the result. I think we saw that it dropped Kostecki from second to third, and then ultimately Cam Waters got past Kostecki for third and fourth. So they probably finished around about where they should have, but uh, still, I mean, Brody probably feels a little uh, hard done by that instead of being in second place, he was in third and then gobbled up, got gobbled up fourth. So mm. uh, maybe that was a podium that had kind of gone begging, another podium that had gone begging for, for Brody. So, yeah. yeah they, were looking, they were looking really good. I mean, he, him and uh, D-Russ. D-Russ was on fire all weekend. I thought he drove really, really well. Um, that pairing seemed to work well together. Mm. And the Erebus cars are quick at Bathurst as well. So... They were right in the hunt. I think just at the end there, when the, when the it got turned up a bit more, um, I don't know whether he could have gone with them. Uh, but he was definitely, if he had track position, I think he could have held onto a podium. Uh, very good. Sounds like you got the uh, your young boy Hugh in the background there. I do, yes. I do. I just picked him up from childcare and um, trying to keep him entertained while uh, while we chat, and he's been been pretty good. All right, you entertain him. Let me go to, I've got a really cool piece with Rodney Jane. Of course, Bob Jane T-Marts, a great supporter of Parked Up and Parked Up Plus, which is out every Monday with Mark Fogarty. And I spoke to Rodney recently about the years where Bob Jane T-Marts was the major sponsor of the Bathurst 1000. It was only for three years. It happened between 2002 
and 2004 before Super Cheap Auto came on to be a partner of the race for 16 years before uh, now Repco, who have just completed uh, their second year as the major sponsor of the great race. But I spoke to Rodney about why they, Bob Jane Teamarts, took on that three-year spell as the sponsor of the great race and what it meant for their business. Okay, the uh, the Bob Jane T-Marts 1000 was a thing for three years. A, a short stay as the title sponsor of the great race between 2002 and 2004, ultimately replaced by Super Cheap Auto and now Repco. What was the reason for taking the naming rights of the great race and why did it end? Uh, the reason for um, sponsoring it was, well, I, IMG came to us at the time and said, you know, they didn't have a sponsor and they were looking for sponsors. Um, you know, it had a great affiliation with our family. Bob had won the four equivalent Bathurst races in a row. I think, um, you know, one of the only drivers or the only driver to ever do it. Um, and, um, you know, so it had a strong affiliation with us. The, it was a really interesting time for us in our business because we we just got in a lot of financial trouble. So in 2000, and, uh, 2000 2001, you know, um, Bob had sort of put all this money into NASCAR, Oscar, and it had sort of brought us to our knees financially because um, it had been funded out of the Bob Jane T-Mart's business. And we had the ANZ Bank in selling all our assets and doing all sorts of things. And many of our franchisees were in trouble. And it, we saw it as a real opportunity to relaunch our brand, um, you know, and get it out there in, in, in the world again, to bring all our franchisees together and to sort of really get the momentum behind, you know, our business again and what better way than, you know, where our brand ultimately came from, motorsport. So it was a, it was a pretty big decision because, you know, it wasn't cheap. Um, but, you know, as it turned out, it was a great decision. Um, you know, we ran our national conference with all our franchisees, um, so, you know, I think one of the, you know, the proudest moments for Bob especially was to have, you know, every Bob Jane franchisee on the, on the start line of Bathurst that he'd won. Um, you know, Bob has this, you know, had this amazing um, affiliation with, you know, motorsport spectators, um, you know, because there's so many hardcore spectators that had watched him race for, you know, 40, 50 years and still loved him, which was awesome. And I think for me, it was a, you know, as a, as a son of someone who's been, you know, an iconic motorsports person in the country, it was, I was quite proud to see, you know, how he embraced it and, you know, how the crowds embraced it and the drivers in, in you know, about supercars embraced it. And everyone sort of really celebrated the idea that we'd come and sponsored, you know, Bathurst. And, you know, for me, it was also great because I met some guys that I sort of loosely knew, but guys like Harry Firth. And a whole lot of other guys that had sort of, you know, I'd known of, but I had never really spent much time with. So to go and sit around, and you know, you know, I remember sitting in a fold-up chair with next to Harry Firth for half an hour one day, and he's talking to me about how to drive around the track and whether, you know, how they once had a pole up the top of the hill and people come over the crest. They used to aim for the pole, and one day they'd move the pole. The first guy to come over the hill had a crash, and you know, because he was aiming for the pole, but it was in the wrong spot. But you know. I think it, it, it just brought to me the, the community of motorsport back together because, you know, we, we went there, we, you know, I think we had about 120 or 130 franchisees we took with their partners and their families and then we had all our national support office team there from all across the country. Um, you know, my dad and I, you know, had a really amazing close relationship for a long time. So, you know, I sort of spent a lot of time with him everywhere, but particularly there. 
And, you know, I think to see his motorsport career celebrate at the t same time that we were, you know, they, they embraced the fact that he'd won the race, you know, the four times and, and that we were sponsoring it. And, you know, I think it was a really proud moment for me to see him sort of be, you know, back in a community he loved being in and being sort of actively involved in such a large event. And uh, our franchisees really loved it. So the three years of it was the, the deal we did with, um, with the sponsorship. Um, yeah, and, and probably frankly, to be really honest, by the end of the third year, it was probably too expensive for us. Um, so, you know, that's fine. It's a, it's a huge event. Um, you know, we were lucky to get a window of time of three years and um, Super Cheap's much bigger business than us and, you know, deeper pockets and, you know, they came along and sponsored it, which is great for the sport. Um, and, you know, we're really proud of the window that we did with, with Bathurst. It's, um, you know, I think it's still remembered by a lot of people and, you know, my, my son's five and I think he was looking at, um, oh, they, were, they had someone's car that they were that they launched or did something with at Sandown on the weekend and my son's five and he goes, oh, because dad, that car's got, you know, they call my dad Bob Bob. They, that, that car's got Bob Bob on it, you know, in the logo. I'm like, Where, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I don't know, it's on the door. I go, oh, did it have a blue number next to it? He goes, yeah. And that's, you know, the Bathurst 1000 sticker. So, you know, the sticker still pops up every everywhere here and there. So, yeah, it's, you know, great experience and, um, you know, we're really grateful we got the opportunity and, you know, I think it was a really big part of our relaunch of our brand, getting, you know, the attitudes of our franchisees back behind the brand as well as the community back behind it. So, yeah, great. And we thank Rodney for that uh, insight. Really uh, interesting. Tony, he says that uh, that that sponsoring the race really saved the business, having uh, gone through a little bit of a, a rough spell, and they came on and uh, helped uh, set the uh, set the recovery of the business for now what is uh, one of the big powerhouses in the uh, tire retail business here in Australia. So uh, very very good now. Uh, we have a couple of weeks off in supercars land before we get to the Gold Coast, but there is one major motorsport event that's going to happen for yourself at the Bend. You are going to compete <laughs> in the next round of the Fanatec GT World Challenge Australia, powered by AWS. It's a sprint round, two one-hour races. You're going to team up with your old mate, Adrian Dietz. You've offered a road trip for me to travel with you. <laughs> I can confirm that I'm going to take that spot. We're off to Adelaide. We're off to the Bend again. Yes. Yes. And last time we went to the Bend, we set some uh, some lab records. So um, I'm hoping it's going to be as successful. But, yeah, looking forward to getting to the Bend uh, in the Lambo, the mighty Lambo uh, that I really love racing and obviously pairing up with uh, my good friend Adrian Dietz. I think it'll be a fun weekend. Yep. Um, he hasn't actually raced since the Bathurst 12 hour. So uh, I'm going to shake a few cobwebs off and and uh, it should be quite an enjoyable event. I'm really hoping the weather's going to be a bit better than what we've seen at the last two races I've done, Sandown and Bathurst, uh, where it's been torrential. Yep. It'd be nice just to have a sunny weekend, driving an amazing car and uh, hopefully get a few trophies. Very we'll good. See. Oh, and then the road trip's going to be great too. Yeah, yeah thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, cool. It is. It's actually a long way. It's uh, similar uh, Melbourne to seven, Bathurst. Melbourne uh, to seven, Bathurst. Seven hours. Seven hours on the dock. Oh, right. So a little it's not bit too short. bad. Cool. Is that with you driving or me driving? 
Well, either way, but it's actually not a bad drive because it's like a couple of hours this side of Adelaide. Yes. Um, so if you fly, like it's, it doesn't work out much better and it gives you flexibility. Like we can, you know, jump in the car after the race and blaze. You don't have to go back to the airport and wait in the lounge and all that crap yep. and still get home at, you know, the same time. So, um, yeah. But I need someone to come with me to try and keep me awake. Yeah, I'll do that. No worries. Okay, so, can what's the itinerary? When are we going over? I'm not sure yet. I don't know when we're on track. So, <laughs> right. I need I need to work out when we're on track. But it will be Thursday at some stage, I'd say. Cool. Uh, and what vehicle are we taking? Do I need to bring a pillow? Uh, we can either take the Honda CRV, mm-hmm. or I've got a new Ranger. So we might take the Ranger. I think. Oh, so my Nissan Qashqai is off the table? Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. Nah, 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 nah. No good. <laughs> nah, fair enough. Nah, very good. Okay, cool. Well, looking forward to that. That should be uh, a fun little trip over there. For the next round of GTs, It's uh, I think they were about to announce uh, the broadcast of that. Um, I think there's going to be some live streams and stuff of uh, of that, so that'll be um, that'll be kind of cool. A pretty low key event. The only support categories of note are Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge, which which will be good because it'll mean that they'll have their good coffee machine there. So oh, um, yes. we need to make sure we're we're uh, really friendly with our good friends at Porsche. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think they've got some radicals and some other local local type of uh, support acts. It's a, it's a bit of a strange event, really. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's um, you know, they could have had TCR, they could have had S5000s. It's like a, a bit of a standalone event away from a lot of the categories they generally share with. So um, I'm not sure exactly what the reasoning for that is. But regardless... Driving an amazing vehicle around a pretty cool track is my type of weekend. So I'm right. looking forward to it. Excellent. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I'll uh, we, we will speak to you uh, at that point. If we're going on Thursday, we could maybe delay that podcast and record another road trip and podcast. Call our mates again. If I'm, if I'm not sure that went down that good. That hey, then the the numbers of that podcast were really good. Now maybe really? people maybe people listen to the first ten minutes and go, "What the hell are these two yes, doing?" And and all and all turned off. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the the numbers for that one were were really good. So maybe uh, road okay. tripping road tripping part two could be a thing. All right. Well. We can at least record something. We'll have lots of hours to do it. Exactly. Seven-hour podcast. Oh, God. (laughs) Cool, mate. Okay. Okay. No problem. Thank you for joining me on Parked Up. Uh, Until next time, of course, you can listen to uh, Mark Fogarty with Parked Up Plus every Monday. The Girls on the Grids also every Monday. Uh, And the next edition of the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast is coming up this Friday. The boys have already done uh, nine episodes. Uh, the latest one with Paul Stubber is out now. Go and search up Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. They've got heaps of uh, heaps of uh, cool ones, and no doubt you've listened to all of them, Tony D. I have. I, honestly, the amount of podcasts you put out these days, I've got my earpods in all day long trying to keep up with it all. You're a good boy. It's mental. Thanks for your support, Tony D. Another great race is done. We're moving on uh, and you'll hear from us soon. Cheers, bud. You've just listened to another Network R production. 